Good morning. How you guys doing? Awesome, man. You guys were a little rowdy during worship. That's cool. I love it. I love it when we get a little undignified. Well, I don't know if you're undignified, but you were pretty close. All right, some of y'all were shouting. Got Pentecostal all up in here. Heaven's going to be wild. Um, <laughs> uh, this morning, uh, I, I want to reflect on something that Mark said. Um, that, and I think it reflects the mission and the heart of the church, is that what we believe that we're doing through defining moments um, is a reminder that it's not about a church getting a bigger facility, but it's about um, the mission that God's called us to and in Leland, North Carolina, and, and what, um, what scares the you know what out of me is the potential of that growth, but also the opportunity that I think Mark, that I, as I watch Mark's video, I reflect, or Mark and Molly's video, is I reflect on the fact that what it does is that it has the opportunity to go further than Leland. Um, it's really interesting, Mark and Molly, they were right, I was there, we were their neighbors, and I went and knocked on his door, and um, uh, our kids had been playing together. Um, I, I, we had a son, they had a son, and they had been playing together. I thought, man, I probably should meet these people. <laughs> um, whenever they're knocked on the door, I don't typically uh, start our, my conversations out with people by saying, hey, my name's Pastor Chris. I'm the pastor at Crossman's Church. And so it was interesting when Mark showed up and he's like, oh, you're the pastor. That's interesting. Mark and I have become pretty good friends. They lived here a few years ago. Um, it's really neat that we chose to use their video on today. Mark is actually a veteran of the Coast Guard. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I think Mark's a second service guy. So let me first say that. Thank you to all of you guys who serve. Um, Mark and Molly were here for a few years and um, uh, you know, regardless of what Mark says, we, Ashley and I did not stand and look out the window and watch them. <laughs> it's really interesting because Mark said, it's like every time I show up at church and you preach, he's like, you're talking to me. Like, are you watching me outside the window to see like what's going on? I don't do that. Okay. I got better things to do than to watch what you're doing. You know, and they're like, now you got Facebook, right? I can watch you on Facebook. So if you don't want me to watch you, don't be on Facebook. All right. Um, and so Mark and Molly were here for uh, a few years, got settled into the church, and then they moved actually to um, Palm Beach uh, or uh, uh, Panama City because the Coast Guard took him there. He served for there for a few years. And then as he was retiring and deciding where they were actually going to end up, um, they started praying and they were like, we want to go back to our church family. And so they actually came back. Yeah, they actually came back to Leland. Um, and that was one of the driving. And it's been awesome because they came back. And I think it was within a week or two. Um, I think Ronnie uh, went up to Mark and said, hey, buddy, uh, so where are you going to serve? Right. I know you've only been here two weeks, but it's time to jump back in. Right. And uh, so that, that, was, uh, that was really cool. 
But I think it's just a great reminder. This morning, we're going to talk about a word called surrender. This is probably um, one of the most difficult things for us as individuals. And we have a really interesting story that we're going to be talking about this morning out of uh, Acts chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, you'll turn to Acts chapter 9. This is uh, the conversion of, of Paul, Saul to Paul in Acts chapter 9. Um, and so we're going to be looking at that this morning. It's, re- it's really interesting because I think it's a great morning to have a Bible study. <laughs> and, hey, and let me say this. Thank you for coming on a rainy day because there are a lot of people who choose not to come on a rainy day. So you are, uh, you are in the minority this morning. So thank you for choosing to get your butt out of bed on a lazy day that you could sit in. And some of you work five, six days a week and you still chose to be here. And so I, I just say thank you to that. Um, we are in a defining moments. If this is your first time, we're glad that you're here. We're in a defining moment series where we're talking about expanding the building. Um, this is uh, uh, about uh, a two-year initiative that we're looking to raise um, capital funds to help us be able to um, expand the building. Um, uh, it was really interesting because last Sunday, first service, we had over two, uh, about 275 people just in the first service. Um, and it was incredible how God's just been, we've been teetering between like this 550, sometimes we'll bump up, bump up to 600, um, and then we'll kind of we'll come back um, down to reality. <laughs> and, uh, but it's been really cool just to see how God's uh, kind of been, been doing that. So a couple of things just to remember as it comes to the defining moments piece of it. Um, if you don't have a booklet, make sure you get a booklet. There's a table out there that you can grab one and a commitment card before you leave. Next Sunday's Commitment Sunday. We're asking you to make some form of a financial commitment over the course of the next two years. Um, if this is your first Sunday, you know, we don't expect you to come back with a commitment card. We give you, we'll, we'll give you an out. You can take some time and, and figure it out if this is really where God wants you. But if you call Chris Crosswind, is your home. Um, uh, if you, that means if you show up on a regular basis, then Crosswinds is your home, okay? Um, we're asking you to make some form of a financial investment into this two-year initiative to help us be able to accomplish what God, God is calling us to. So next Sunday's Commitment Sunday. Um, if you don't have a commitment card, uh, if you have a commitment card, make sure you bring it back, um, filled out. Um, if you don't have one, um, then we'll make sure that we can make sure that you have one. So next Sunday's Commitment Sunday and the Sunday, uh, December the 10th is actually our celebration Sunday where we'll, we will announce how much money has been committed. But we're also asking you on December 10th to make a first fruits um, offering. Um, I would love for you to begin praying as you've already been praying. Hey, God, not only what do you want me to give over the next two years, but what can we give as a first fruits on December the 10th? Um, and we would like for that to be the largest offering that we've ever taken in the history of Crosswinds Church. Um, and so if you would just be praying about that, um, I'm just going to be really honest with you. That's, those are the things that we're, you know, we're praying through um, right now and just really asking God to do um, just some incredible things. I think, and you've heard the stories of these past few weeks, even Mark talking about, hey, we started giving and we realized that God just continued to be faithful as we took the step of faith because here's what's going to happen. It's going to take a step of faith for you to give and it's also going to take an act of surrender for you to be willing to give. That's right. Amen. It just is. It just is. And so... Um, so that's why partly, um, I, uh, as I was praying through this, I chose to, 
talk about surrender uh, this morning. So Acts chapter 9. This is... Um, uh, this is the uh, uh, Paul, Saul's conversion. This is the beginning of Saul's conversion to Paul. So if I, reference, if I say Saul sometimes and I reference Paul sometimes, I'm talking about the same person, okay? Just, just so you know. So in Acts, Acts chapter 1, Jesus shows back up um, to his disciples and he says to them in Acts 1a, he says, you're, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, and he pretty much commissions the disciples and those who are following him in, in these moments. They are going to be the ones. Listen, a, a lot of the followers of Jesus, uh, a lot of those who were following Jesus before the cross, when Jesus actually went to the cross, decided to abandon following Jesus. And decided, well, all this time we thought that Jesus was the Messiah. He just died on the cross. And a lot of them decided they didn't want to follow Jesus anymore. Well, after Jesus comes back, I can only imagine some of those guys were like, oh, maybe we should follow him. He just came back to life. Um, and so Jesus shows up. He, taught, he spends some time with his disciples over the course of 40 days. He reveals himself to over 500 people. And so that's how we know. We have testimony uh, of Jesus um, coming back. And then Jesus ascends to heaven. The disciples begin to... They began to uh, spend some time um, going into, in, into different places and sharing the gospel. Peter and, Peter and John are um, out in the streets and they're talking, about, they're talking about Jesus. They're seeing some of these disciples heal people, right? And they're like, what is going on? What are you doing? How is this happening? And they're, like, and they're saying, hey, it's not us that's doing it. This is what God is doing in us and through us that these people are being healed. That this beggar and this blind man, um, this, these are how the things are, that are happening. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost um, and the largest number of people get saved. There are 3,000. I was thinking this. How awesome would it be if we baptized somebody every service? What if every service, every 9 o'clock, every 11 o'clock, and soon to be every 8.30 and every 10 and every 11.30 service, we were baptizing somebody because people were getting saved that quickly? Can you, can you imagine 3,000 people all at one time? We'd be here like for five days baptizing people. Now, now hold on a minute. You don't like it when I go 10 minutes over. When's this guy going to get done? Anyway, P P Pentecost comes. Um, Peter's preaching before the Sanhedrin. Thousands of people come to Christ. Um, uh, Peter heals the lame beggar in chapter 3. Um, Peter and John go again before the Sanhedrin. They're told not to go out and talk about this Jesus anymore. And guess what they do? They go right back out into the streets and they're talking about Jesus even more. Now, how many of us, if we were told not to do something, probably would not do it? And let's be honest, we're moving in a direction where the government's going to try and tell us to not do that. Eventually. Eventually. Right? Um, it's really... I'm not going to say that. All right. Um, and in chapter 5, the apostles start to be persecuted. The, the apostles start to be persecuted. When I say persecuted, that means they're flogged. And I don't know if you know what flogging means was that they actually take a cat of nine tails and they tie you to a pole and they beat you 39 times. 
and pretty much rip all. And so after being flogged and beaten, um, they're actually like, hey, they, they, they're, they're released from, uh, from prison, um, from captivity. They go back out into the streets and they say, hey, guys, we counted a, a, a joy to be um, actually beaten for Jesus. We don't like it when people talk about us on Facebook. Um, in, in chapter 6, Stephen is stoned. Right, they dragged Stephen out into the streets, and and they take stones and they pretty much kill Stephen right there. And and this is uh, part of the beginning. Not long after that, in um, in chapter after the stoning of Stephen, and se- actually that's in seven, um, Saul now starts persecuting Christians. Saul starts going into places. He pulls them out of their homes, and if they doesn't put them in prison, he kills them. And in chapter 8, a great persecution broke out. And did you know that God actually had a person, a purpose for the persecution? Because it says that the church was scattered. You know why the church was scattered? Because God wanted the message of Jesus to go into more places than just where they are right then. And so we see in this moment, God uses persecution to scatter the message of Jesus and to begin to to send it across the whole world. And it's one of the very reasons why today we have the gospel. And then we come to Saul's conversion, right? Remember, Saul's been going in, he's been persecuting Christians. He'd be going into their homes. If they, if they claim to believe, he'd be going into their homes, pulling out, either arresting them or he's killing them. And so here we have uh, chapter nine. Verse 1 says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went, to the high, he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way is those who were following Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, why do you persecute them? He said, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He said, I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord, uh, the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is, he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on, uh, all who call on your name. 
But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with his disciples in Damascus that once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his, on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet, listen, verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. And so there are a couple of things that I, I just want us to point out. The first is this, and, and again, the whole, the whole word is surrender for me. So about a year ago, um, back, in, back in June of, of last year, um, I took about the, the leadership team and the staff gave me uh, about eight weeks off, uh, uh, eight weeks of vacation, eight weeks of sabbatical. And so, and some of you have heard this story. And so the first couple of days I went to Ashes, we were off. We had, we had taken the family and we, we had gone to Florida for a couple of days and we spent some, some time with the family. And then we came back here and, um, and, and, and a couple of days, I just went to Ashes. I said, hey, for the next two or three days, I want us to pray. Lord, do you want us to stay at Crosswinds? Because to be, to be really honest with you, at that time, as we, we were growing as a church, and, and I, I know you guys have heard me say this before, and, and uh, I was just reminded this morning that the Lord actually used Nancy to tell me to say this. Thank you, Nancy. I appreciate it. Um, and, um, and so we were growing as a church, and to be honest with you, I didn't really want to grow as a church. <laughs> I wanted to continue to see lives change, but I wasn't sure I wanted to go beyond like a 300, 350, because that was kind of a, a comfort zone for me. I, I kind of felt like I could know people. And uh, so I went to Ashley, and I said, hey, would you just really pray with me over these next couple of days? Because if the Lord wants to release me from Crosswinds Church, I'm, I, I'm, I just want to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. Because to be honest with you, I'm not sure I want to go any further. I'd be okay if the Lord would release me, let me go to another smaller church and, and just serve at a smaller church. And so we prayed for a couple of days, didn't really think that, you know, I didn't really know what the Lord was going to say to me. Um, and within that couple of days, the Lord said, nope, you're where I want you. Amen. And I want, yeah. hey, get Give him, this is all for Jesus, okay? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't want it. And so, so I said to the Lord, okay, Lord, like if you're going to let me keep, if you're going you're, you're to force me to keep going, if you're going to force me to keep going, then you have to give me the ability to feel like I can um, feel, 
well, no, not, I don't want to say it that way. Because I still don't feel like I can lead, but I feel like God can help me to lead. Okay? And so, to be honest with you, I'm way out of my comfort zone. I'm way out of my comfort zone in the growth of the church. I'm way out of my comfort zone um, in, in, in where, uh, where I believe that God's taking us. Because not only do I believe that God's taking us to obviously build a bigger building and, and increase the size of this local congregation, but I believe there's even more that will go beyond that. Okay? Because who am I to say, hey, God, I'm done. Like, I don't want people's lives to be changed. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, can you imagine what Peter and the disciples went through when the, all 3,000 people came to Christ? Hey, guys, we're going to stop at like 150. <laughs> the rest of y'all got to figure it out on your own, right? And I, I, to be honest with you, sometimes I struggle, even in, my own, even in my own flesh, sometimes I struggle when people say, well, I don't like a big church. Well, then what kind of church do you like? Because I get it that, you know, I get it. There, listen, there are unhealthy big churches. Okay, there are unhealthy big churches. Um, but this is not going to be one of them. Okay, so we're just going to keep trusting the Lord. Okay, so let's look at the passage. I said all that to say this, is that God brought me to this place where I had to surrender my will to his. And that's, I mean, that's been the case. What did you say? Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, that's been the case all, the, all along the way. And my, my wife is really good about constantly reminding me of that. It's not about you. This is about what God's called you to. Okay. So let's talk about surrender. Because here's what happened. God's do, God does this in all of us. Or he at least attempts to do it in all of us. And I think there's really something really interesting in this passage that I want, that I want us to understand. Okay, the first thing is this. In Acts chapter 9, as we talk about this conversion from Saul to Paul um, and, and this story in verse 9. The first thought I want to give you is this, is that we are all called to redemption. Yes. Right? We're, we're all called to rege- redemption. Jesus wants to transform all of us. He wants to transform all of us. Jesus has a calling. Jesus is calling us all out of sin, right? Because that's what was happening in Paul. Listen, that's what was happening to Saul. And Saul thought he was doing the right thing, right? He was a religious person. And according to what he thought about religious things, he and the way that he saw the followers of Jesus actually acting and living and the things that we, they were doing, he thought it was his place to go and, and arrest and kill those people. He thought he was, how often do we as religious people think that we're actually doing the right thing when we're doing the wrong thing? And so that's why it's really important for us to know the scripture. And to be able to ask God for discernment as we discern the scripture and have people speaking into our lives that are helping us navigate these things. Because sometimes even as Christians, we know that we can do the wrong thing when we're doing the, we think we're doing the right thing. And so it's, God brought Saul to this place because really at the core of this, this was about a God redeeming Saul from a life of sin into a place, into a calling, into a surrender to the very things that God wanted him to do. You realize that Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. 
and, and was probably one of those, let's be honest, when it comes to the New Testament, he is a spiritual hero. He was one that God elevated to a place and began to use him to write his word, but to also further the gospel. And it all started with God revealing to him, hey, the way you're living and what you're doing is wrong. So now I want you to turn from that and do something else. That's, redem- that's what redemption is all about. It's a place of re- coming to this place of repentance where you're headed in one way and then you realize the way you're going is not right. And now you're going to turn around and you're going to go the opposite direction. But here's what I love. God saw something in Saul that others didn't see. Soak that in for just a moment. God saw something in Saul that others didn't see. Because remember, like he, 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 he has this experience with, with Jesus, and then he, he's led into Damascus, and then God revealed, goes to Ananias and says, hey, hey, Ananias, I want you to go talk to him. He's like, uh-huh. That guy's pulling people out. He's, he's, he's killing them and he's, he's putting them in prison. I'm not going there. And God said, huh, no, 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 no. You see, because I believe there were a lot of followers of Jesus at that moment. They were trying to, they, I mean, it was kind of like COVID in Walmart. You walking down the other aisle, <laughs> right? You see Paul coming, you're like, not that aisle. <laughs> I don't know if that was a great illustration or not, but <laughs> it kind of worked. There are some things that just pop in my head and I say them. But God, God saw something in Saul that others didn't see. And here's what I love about that. Because not only at the core of this is this about redemption for all of us, but God sees something in us that others don't see. Let me say that again. God sees something in you that others don't see. Because he knows your heart. And I, I, heard, I actually heard this, th- this thought this past week and I wrote down is this. What's in front of you is so much more important than what's behind you. What's in front of you is so much more. It doesn't mean that we don't learn from the past, right? Because let's be honest, all of us at some point have a pretty messed up past there are some parts of our past like we we just we want to keep them hidden in the closet (laughs) we don't we don't want people to know about that you know and to be really honest with you um keeping your past hidden in the closet is not all that great of an idea right because what God does is as he's transforming us now he begins to use our past to help heal other people in their future But what's behind you, although it's important and it's a learning process, otherwise we repeat the same stupid mistakes if we don't learn from the past, right? That's why history is good. Although as a nation, we're not all that great at it. We keep repeating some of the same stupid things. Let's be honest. But as followers of Jesus, we can be healed from the past and we can learn from the past, but we're we're not held captive by the past. Because God still has something for us in the future, okay? But at the core of it, it's all, we're all called to redemption. The second thing is this, is that we're all given the opportunity to surrender. You hear what I'm saying? 
We're all given the opportunity to surrender. And let's be honest, there is, I believe there's a moment in our life where God shows up and he's kind of right in front of our face and he says, um, hey, you know, it's either this way or it's either right way or left, right or left, right, right way, wrong way. But then once we've said yes to him, then I believe there are moments of surrender every single day that we have to be able to walk in because we're human. We don't always make the great choices. We're, we're, we are born into sin. And so it's constantly being able to recognize God. That one of the things that I do every morning before I come in, before I get up here is I get down on my knees and I say, God, I'm surrendering to you today. I'm surrendering to your authority and whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. And I think that probably is something that we need to do every single day because if we're not doing that on a regular basis, our flesh gets in the way. We're all given the opportunity to surrender. God invites us into what he's doing. Listen, I love this. God invites us into what he's doing and sometimes he shoves us into it. Right? Because let's, let's think about it here for just a moment. Let's think about it, right? Did Saul have a choice? He's walking down the road and all of a sudden this light comes on. It blinds him. Did Saul really have a choice? No. So it was kind of forced on him. Right? And I believe sometimes God works that way. I don't, I don't think, like to be honest with you, I don't, I don't think that God uses a light. He might. He, most of us probably haven't become blind. Uh, except for we've become spiritually blind. Right? And so we're walking down and all of a sudden this is something happens in our life. And so sometimes maybe God allows, I don't know if I'm getting too deep here this morning, but sometimes God allows things to happen that he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. And, 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 and I, I do believe that Paul have a option to become blind. Did Paul, did Saul have an, uh, an option to become blind? No. And so, and I know we're getting deep and I'm just wrestling with this in my own. So you're like, what are you, where's Pastor Chris going with all this, right? And so that was kind of forced on him. But where he did have the choice to surrender is what's he going to do afterwards? Right? Am I going to do what God has actually called me to do or am I going to ignore it? And I believe sometimes we just ignore it. Sometimes we blow it off and like, oh, that just happened. And, I, and I'm not sure why it happened, but it just happened. I think sometimes God tries to get our attention by allowing things to affect our life, whether it's physically, mentally, spiritually. I'm not saying he always does that, but I'm saying sometimes that's the way it happens. And what we do on the other side of that, that's where we either choose to surrender to what God's asked us to do, or we choose to ignore it. But a lot of times, if we're not careful, we just kind of fall back into our same routine of life. And I believe that Paul, Saul came to this place like, what must I do now? And Jesus said, hey, you need to stop persecuting the Christians, and you need to actually go start talking about the message of Jesus, that he is the Messiah. 
And so we all, I think we're all given that opportunities. I think there are moments where God shoves us into some of those things and what we do with them, it matters. Listen, I wrote this thought down. Surrender, surrender isn't as much about giving up something as it is about giving yourself to something. Surrender isn't as much about giving up something because we're like, oh, I got to surrender. Oh, I got to give up something. But really, what if it's about giving yourself to something and not necessarily giving up something? Are there things that God asks us to give up? Yes. There are things. We had, and we talked about that last week. If we're going to be people of generosity, then there is sacrifice. Following Jesus, there is sacrifice, right? Peter had to give up fishing, right? He even wanted to go back to fishing. He even tried to go back to fishing. And Jesus said, mm, no. I'm sure he fished along the way every now and then, but that wasn't his main goal, was to continue fishing. He gave up fishing because he wanted to follow what Jesus was asking him to do. And so sometimes it's not as much about what we have to give up, but it's about something that we're giving ourselves to. And so the question becomes for us this morning is, are we fully fully surrendered to the things of God? Okay, look at the last thing is this. We are all given a calling to follow Jesus and serve him. So not only do we have this moment, these moments in front of us where we have to kind of make a choice. Are we going to do what God asks us to do? Are we going to be obedient to that? Or are we going to ignore them? But we're all, listen, all. It's not just like, oh, Pastor Chris, that's a really nice story. God called you to do this and you're surrendering to that. No, that's for all of us. We're all given the opportunity to surrender to to the things of God in some form or fashion. Saul said, what must I do? And he had to make this decision. Was he going to follow? And so what did he start to do? It says that he started to share the message of Jesus. Can you imagine right after that, people seeing Saul saying, Wasn't this the same guy who was persecuting Christians and now he's talking about Jesus as the Messiah? Because here's what will happen. When God changes us and we start living differently, people be like, who are you? Who do you think you are? Last week you were doing this. A year ago you were doing that. Who do you think you are? And our response to that is, we're different because Jesus has changed us. Because he's redeemed us. He's changed us. And so this was a defining moment. It was actually an extreme defining moment for the early church. Because that's what, you know, now that we've talked about the personal part, now I want to talk about the church for just a moment. This was a defining moment for the early church. Saul surrendered to God's calling through this defining moment in his life. And there are a couple of reminders that I want to give you as we look at this as well. That's kind of congregational. That's kind of big picture. This is kind of Christ's body. The first one is this. Saul's conversion reminds us at the core that salvation is something that God does in us. 
Salvation is something that God does in us. What we do with it is, uh, is our is only a response to the work that He's doing in us. Right? Salvation comes from Him. Devin stepped into these waters of baptism, not because of me, not because of Ronnie, not because of John, not not because of because He said yes to Jesus and the work of God that's happening in His life. He wanted to be baptized. And that's what it is. Because at the core of it, I can't change any of you. Only Jesus can change you. And that's only if you'll let him change you. The last thing is this. (laughs) I love this one. Because this is not only true for us, but it's true for us as we think big picture and what God wants to do in Leland. No one is beyond God's redemption. And like Saul, who became Paul, we are all called to respond to God's transformative power and hope and command to action. Okay, so here's what I want us to be reminded of. Nobody's beyond being saved by Jesus. None of us sitting in here this morning are too far gone. You, you, You could have done the worst things in the world And God still loves you. And he still offers that salvation and that redemption to you this morning. So if if the enemy's telling you, you don't deserve it, you smack the enemy in the face and say, get behind me, Satan, because Jesus died on the cross for me. Here's the other thing. What about that person in your life that you think they'll never change? God And his redemptive power can change them too. That son, that daughter, that that relative, that coworker, that boss. You're like, man, he will, that person will never change. Because when we do that, we put God in a box. And we say, well, and we know that God has the power to do whatever he wants to do. And so the last thought is this. Michael, you guys can go ahead and come out. The last thought is this. Is that our surrender impacts others. Our choice, our receiving the redemption of of God and surrendering to Him it impacts others. And I think at the core of it, that's what I want us to keep as a reminder to this morning is that yes, God is calling us to surrender. But as we see the surrender of Saul to Paul, we realize that it actually launched the early church into a whole nother place. And God began to to use the message of Jesus to go into other parts of the world. And what I believe that God wants to do to us, as do in us as we surrender to him is that he wants to begin to see the message of Jesus go further and further and further because the message of Jesus has no boundaries. But the question is, are we willing to surrender?
Will you close your eyes with me for just a moment? We sang a song earlier, said, all I am with my hands open wide. I want you to have that visual in your mind or you can do it physically like you just holding out your hands and saying, God, what I, what I have, what I am, I'm surrendering to you. I surrender my time. I surrender my talent. I surrender my treasures. I surrender my life. And I think I've said it every week that if this, if this is truly a moment where you believe that God's speaking to you to leave Crosswinds Church, then leave. I don't want to be accountable to God for trying to manipulate you to do something that God might be telling you to do. Because at the core of it, it's not about me building my kingdom or our kingdom. At the core of it, it's about us building his kingdom. And so first, I want you to ask yourself the question, have I fully surrendered to the Lord? Have you said yes to Jesus? God, I'm surrendering my life to you. Secondly, have you surrendered your time to him? Third, have you surrendered your talent that God has given you? Because a lot of, a lot of times we want, we want to surrender our life to him, but we want to hold on to our time, our talent, and our treasure. Because we want to use it the way we want it, to use it for our own personal gain. And, and lastly, have you surrendered your treasure to the Lord? As we said a few weeks ago, it's all his anyway. And the question is, you just have to be asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do with my treasure? Because you won't take the steps of obedience until foundationally you've said yes to surrendering to the Lord everything and surrendering your life. that you would ask you would help us as the body of Christ to surrender to you right now we surrender to the Lord is there something that you need to surrender to him in your life right now maybe something that's become more important your car, your house, your job, your paycheck, a relationship. 
And that thing has actually become more important than your relationship with Jesus. So this is a moment of surrender. I know it's uncomfortable and it can be really uncomfortable, but here's what I want to ask you to do. Are you willing to surrender it right now? I think this could be a Saul to Paul conversion moment for you where God's trying to get your attention and open. He's he's not blinding you. He's actually trying to open your eyes so you can see more clearly what he's actually trying to do in you. And so will you let him? So will you stand with me for just a moment? And I want to open up the front. And I'm asking some of you to surrender. No, I'm not asking you to surrender. God's asking you to surrender. In In front of this whole group, God's asking you to surrender. And my question is, will you do it? And with everybody else looking around, I want to, I just want to ask you, if you're willing to surrender, I want you to step out and I want you to come down front. Is there something that God's been trying to get your attention on and he wants you to surrender to right now? I'm not trying to manipulate you. Don't do it because I'm asking you. But if he's asking you surrender, this is not the moment to hold back. And some of you are sitting there saying, well, I don't have to do it right now. Do it it when I get home. Mm, What if God's asking you to do it right now? You're like, this is really uncomfortable. I don't really care. We're going to sing a song called I Surrender All. And I believe this is a moment where you got to surrender something. Probably all of us, is, uh, there's something that God's probably trying to get our attention with this morning. If we're being really honest with each other. And that's what I hate. Sometimes we just fake it till we make it in church. Some of you are like, I'm not going down front because I'm afraid of what people are going to think about, about me. I'm not going down front because Pastor Chris said this. I'm not going to. You're sitting there holding on to the back of the chair. God, I pray. Let's close our eyes and pray. God, I pray that in this moment, this would be our moment of surrender. God, to whatever it is that you have for us. Is this that Damascus Road experience for us? God, that you are showing us something that you want us to surrender to our time, our talent, our treasure, surrender our life. And we'll be sure to give you the glory and our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this song together.